You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. Lucky Land Casino, asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The Enfield haunting began with a bang. Literally. In the summer of 1977, Peggy Hodgson heard loud noises coming from her daughter's room upstairs at their house at 284 Green Street in Enfield, North London. Hodgson went upstairs to investigate and to tell the girls, Margaret 12 and Janet 11, to quiet down and go to bed, only to find them cowering in fear. The girls breathlessly told their mother that some unseen force was dragging a chest of drawers across the room, pushing it toward their bedroom door as if it wanted to trap them in the room. At first, Peggy dismissed the girl's story as nonsense. But then, she witnessed the chest of drawers slide across the floor all on its own. To make matters even stranger, Peggy couldn't move the chest of drawers herself, no matter how hard she tried. That was terrifying enough. But then the family, Peggy, her daughters, and her two younger sons, started hearing knocking noises throughout the entire house. They quickly fled and reported these chilling incidents to their neighbor and soon even enlisted the help of the police. For 18 months afterward, the hauntings continued at 284 Green Street. In the end, more than two dozen people, from police officers to lawyers to paranormal investigators, claimed to have witnessed bizarre events unfold inside the house. These included furniture flipping over, cups suddenly filling with water, random fires, levitations, and more. Whatever was haunting the Hodgson family seemed to especially target 11-year-old Janet, who began to speak with a deep, gravelly voice, even when investigators taped her mouth shut. The Enfield haunting eventually attracted the attention of famed paranormal investigators Ed and Lorraine Warren, who flew to London in 1978 to see what was happening to the Hodgson family for themselves. Their investigation, which was depicted in the 2016 film The Conjuring 2, concluded that there was indeed a paranormal presence at the family's Enfield home. Ed Warren later said, Now, you couldn't record the dangerous, threatening atmosphere inside that little house, but you could film the levitations, teleportations, and dematerializations of people and objects that were happening there, not to mention the many hundreds of hours of tape recordings made of these spirit voices speaking out loud in the rooms. This is the true story of the Enfield haunting, the poltergeist that plagued the Hodgson family between 1977 and 1979. You're listening to History Uncovered, brought to you by the digital publisher All That's Interesting, where we explore the uncharted corners of the natural world and the world past. I'm All That's Interesting staff writer Kalina Fraga. And I'm All That's Interesting staff writer Austin Harvey. Today, we'll be digging into the terrifying case of the Enfield haunting that inspired The Conjuring 2. Which I haven't seen and you have seen, but I have read quite a bit about it. Uh, I will say right off the bat, I don't think that movie warranted not just one sequel about The Nun or spinoff, but now a second 
story about the nun. Oh, there was a nun in the movie? There was a, like a haunted nun painting and then like a spooky nun ghost. And it has, it's in like a couple scenes and people are like, oh, that was spooky. So they made two movies oh. now about the backstory of the nun. That's interesting because I don't think there's like any mention of a nun in the actual story. No, there isn't. No, not at all. Interesting. Did not know that. There's a lot of New differences. <laughs> a lot of differences between the movie and the, we'll get into it later, but. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, at, at the end we're going to, we're going to dig into that and you have some opinions to share as <laughs> <Some> well. Strong <laughs> opinions about and Lorraine Warren. Um, all right. Well, the real story, I mean, real, I guess, should be in like big fat quotes because. Sure. That, yeah. As with hauntings and things like, you know. The alleged haunting. Yeah. I will say this story is interesting to me as some other stories that we've covered are is, is that there's like a lot of witnesses or people who said that they witnessed things. Yes. All right. So the story begins on August 31st, 1977. It's a quiet night in Enfield, which is North London. And this woman named Peggy Hodgson is living with her four children when she hears a crash upstairs from her daughter's room. And she goes to investigate and finds her two daughters, Margaret and Janet, like cowering in the corner. And they're telling her that this chest of drawers is moving on its own back and forth. And Peggy, unsurprisingly, is like, you know, don't kid around. It's that's not happening. But then Peggy sees this chest of drawers move, too. And that alone is like terrifying. But then she also, when she tries to push it back into place, it won't move. She can't move it, physically move it. And that's really scary. But then they all start to hear this like knocking noise throughout the whole house, which would certainly freak me out. Yeah. It is interesting how just kind of immediate this supposed haunting is. Like I feel like a lot of other times it ramps up. It's like, we heard some knocking noises. We heard some scratching. We saw shadowy things in the corner of our eyes. And like, mm -hmm. it usually takes a while before things get going. But this story is just like right off the bat. It's yeah. like, shit's flying. Doors yeah. are slamming. Like the kids are levitating. <laughs> like, this haunting meant business. It was yeah, like- This ghost was not messing around. No, wanted to get right to it. I, res I respect that. I respect that. I don't know. I, got, I think I like the more subtle ghosts better. The ones that like well, maybe you think you're kind of sure. losing your mind. <laughs> I think we all like the more subtle ghosts better. Well, I our, mean, it's like the ghost, more subtle ghost stories better because yeah, like it builds yeah. up to something. That's fair. And it, I think my issue with those stories is they feel too like they follow the trajectory of a story, like rising mm -hmm. action, climax, resolution. Uh -huh. Whereas, like, yeah, no, I mean, if if stuff just kind of starts flying off your walls, that's pretty scary. I'll say yeah. I think it adds a little bit of credibility to it. Okay. Well, anyway, they, they certainly thought it was very credible and real because they sure. all ran out of the house and they went to get their neighbors, the Nottinghams, who came over and they also hear the strange noises. Uh, their neighbor, Vic Nottingham, says, I heard the knocking as I walked in the front door. I went all over the house, just couldn't make out what it was. So in the end, I thought, there's only one thing. I'll call the police. <laughs> which must have been a funny phone call for the police to get. <laughs> yeah. It makes me think of some of the UFO stuff we've covered where people like saw UFOs and they called the police and the police were like, what do you want us to do about this? But in any case, the police do respond to the call and they come yeah. to the house. Well, hey, worst case scenario, the house is haunted. Best case scenario, maybe maybe not best case. Other case scenario. Yeah, on one hand, the house may be haunted. On the other hand, there's like a home intruder. So they should probably check it out. Yeah. Or someone's having some sort of like, I don't know. Health crisis. Episode, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so the police come and 
the police constable, Carolyn Heaps, says that she sees a chair fly across the room. She says, it came off the floor, maybe half an inch, I should say, and I saw it slide off to the right about three and a half to four feet before it came to a rest. Which I like how specific that is. That is very like police talk to be like, this is exactly what happened. But despite this, the police sort of like shrug their shoulders and say it's not really a police matter. It's not a crime. Call a priest. Yeah, right. Which, fair. Yeah, like, the police does not have a paranormal department. Oh, they should. But in, in any case, in Enfield, the police had no such person they could call. No. So instead, the family calls the Daily Mirror, like you do, call yeah. a tabloid. I was, I was about to ask, is the Daily Mirror a tabloid or is that a credit? But yeah. I'm like pretty sure I, it's a tabloid. I'm fairly certain you're right. Yeah, I mean, it's the mirror. Yeah. So in any case, they call this this paper, the Daily Mirror, and a photojournalist named Graham Morris comes to the house. Uh, this is another kind of case of like someone, I'm sure when he got the assignment, he was like, huh, or maybe not. Maybe he loved ghosts, but. I mean, yeah, if you work as a photographer for the mirror, maybe the ghost yeah. story is like the best thing that can happen to you. Yeah. Otherwise, what are you covering? Like two-headed. Two-headed dogs taking pictures of the queen and writing yeah. a scandalous story. Yeah. No, I'll take the ghost story any day. Yeah. So he goes to the house. I mean, at first it doesn't seem like much of a story because like nothing happens for hours and hours. But then as he turns to leave, he says chaos breaks out. He says, suddenly things just took off and started flying around the room. I got hit by a Lego brick over my right eye. No one in the room was doing anything. So that's weird. Um, he also sets up this camera that that appears to capture Janet, who's the 11-year-old, levitating. Yes. And we have photos of this yes, in the I, article on the site. Yes, I have seen the photos. and <laughs> The photos I are mean, sort of funny. I mean, it looks like she's jumping. Uh, right. She, yeah. It's hard to... But I, it's hard to photograph someone levitating and not have that be called into question, right? Because unless they're levitating above a tree, right, where it's like very clearly like, oh, okay, they couldn't really get up there. But even ob- this is 1977. Obviously, nowadays, Photoshop yeah. uh, is widely accessible and it's much easier to fake these sorts of things. But yeah, but even like her body positioning, it looks like a kid jumping. I guess the only thing in the photo is her... She has, I think her sister is in the room and her sister is looking at her and she looks scared. Right. Uh, and Janet looks scared, but, you know. Yeah. Well, there's like two really clear good photographs. One photo looks very much like she's not in control of what's happening and like she looks panicked and her body language kind of reads unnaturally. Mm-hmm. There is another photograph where it looks like she's just leapt off her bed. Yeah. Her hands are up in front of her. Her leg is like not extended, but looks like she just pulled it in. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's kind of in the eye of the beholder, I guess. Yeah, there are a number of photos. Yeah, but I think the issue is her bent knees make Mm -hmm. it look like she's just leapt. leapt. Mm -hmm. Well, Graham Morris says that the camera captured her coming up from a prone position, flying across the room and she's in midair. So that's what he says it caught. So the next person to come and investigate this haunting is this guy called Maurice Gross from the Society of Psych... Wait, Psych... Psychical Research? Psychical Research? What is psychical? Like psychics? Yeah, I think so. So this guy comes in. He's, I guess, you know, an expert in terms of hauntings and supernatural paranormal stuff. 
he says that he witnessed, and again, I would take his with a bit of a grain of salt, just being a guy who profits off things like this. But anyway, he says right. he he witnessed more than 2,000 different incidences of supernatural activity. Just in the house in Enfield? Yeah. Like, that's not just him bragging about his accolades. That's like in this house, 2,000? Yeah. During his stay at the house, Grouse said he witnessed more than 2,000 different incidences of supernatural Jeez. activity. He said, I have actually seen myself marbles being thrown about. I have seen the door moving without any help. I've also experienced the reduction of temperature. I guess these little things can like really add up too. Yeah, yeah, that right. Yeah, if you're considering each of those things as one, yeah, is every marble its own yeah. incident? Yeah, well, yeah. then like every time the temperature maybe like moves a little bit and everything. Right. He says that in November he tries to confront the whatever presence is in the house, and he says, "As I asked the question, are you having a game with me?" It threw the cardboard box and the pillow right in my <laughs> face. <laughs> oh, he's a cheeky little ghost, isn't he? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah. You're having a game with me. That's the most British <laughs> way you could confront a spirit. You're having a game with me, bro. You're having bruv. a game with me, yeah. <laughs> and I guess, you know, something. Maybe not a game, but it's communicating <laughs> the only way you knew how. That's so funny. The, whatever is in their house appears to be especially focused on Janet, the levitating child. She later said, I was used and abused. In addition to, like, levitating, she once had a curtain wrapped around her neck. And she started speaking in a rough, deep, gravelly voice that didn't seem like it was her voice. She later said about the voice, It didn't even feel like it was coming from me, even though it was. It just felt like it was behind me. One of the investigators decided to tape my mouth shut, but it would still speak. They'd pour water in my mouth, and it would still speak, uh, which is creepy. And I'll read a part of the audio recording. Just before I died, I went blind, and then I had a hemorrhage. And I fell asleep, and I died in the chair in the corner downstairs. I'm invisible because I'm a G-H-O-S-T, which spells ghost. So oh. that's creepy. <laughs> <laughs> for the for our younger able, listeners, for, yeah. For our younger listeners, why are you here? <laughs> yeah. Have you heard the recordings of her talking? No, have you? Oh, yeah. Oh, we should play it. I want you to tell me whether you remember what happened to you when you died. Days before I died, I died. I went blind. Then I had an hemorrhage and I fell asleep and I died in a chair in the corner downstairs. Why can't Janet fool you? I'm invisible. You're invisible? Why are you invisible? Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Um, This is creepy because a previous owner of the house, Dave Bill Wilkins, died this way, as confirmed by his son, which is really weird and creepy. Give him that. Janet says... I felt used by a force that nobody understands. I really don't like to think about it too much. I'm not sure if the poltergeist was truly evil. 
It was almost as if it wanted to be part of our family. It didn't want to hurt us. It had died there and wanted to be at rest. The only way it could communicate was through me and my sister. I don't know if I agree with that. <laughs> was it throwing things around and like tossing and choking Legos? her? And... Yeah. Yeah. She. I, you can't simultaneously say I was used and abused and it didn't want to hurt me. Maybe she felt like the ghost just wanted to get her attention and so it had to like resort to extreme maybe or maybe it's like know. hard when you're a ghost to like move things so you do things without meaning to do them like choke yeah. people or she know. just has like spectral stockholm syndrome yeah or that and this is where i mean in terms of our our later discussion it gets a bit interesting because in 1978 ed and lorraine warren appear on the scene to investigate right. In the movie, I'll just say that they're depicted as having a much bigger role in this story than they actually had. But they did study the case and said it was an authentic haunting. Ed Warren said that inhuman spirit phenomena were in progress. That said, other investigators at the scene said that the Warrens showed up uninvited, were only there for one day, and that Ed Warren <laughs> talked about making money from the case. <laughs> that so, <laughs> sounds like the Warrens I know. Yeah, so they had a bit of a yeah. mixed uh, Let everyone else do all the work, show up and go, oh yeah, it's real. <laughs> Yeah. Put that in the book. Yep. The thing is that people also accuse the Hodgkins of faking all this to make money. Of course. Yeah, of course. Yeah. One of those instances where Ed and Lorraine Warren showing up actually makes your case less credible. Mm -hmm. It's like, yeah, no, get out of here. You can scam <laughs> artists. You kidding me? <laughs> <laughs> it's a real haunting. But yeah, people said that they were faking it for attention, fame, money, and they lived in a council house and it was maybe to get upgraded to a different council house right and i guess we should maybe explain a little bit about what a council house is because that's not as common a term in america right i mean from what i understand it's, it's like affordable housing right it's like state assigned affordable housing mm -hmm. so she was in a financial situation sort of like a form of welfare could not afford a house on her own so the state basically said here's one you can live in which made it very hard for her to just, you know, like one of the things people always say with the hauntings, why didn't they just leave? It's like, well, she couldn't because mm, it wasn't yeah. even her home. It's not like she could sell it and move. Right. So, yeah. So, yeah, they some people thought they had like a reason to fake all this. Um, but there were sure. a lot of witnesses. This one a journalist who maybe is more legitimate than the Daily Mirror. She's reporting for BBC Radio. She said she witnessed the aftermath of something paranormal, throwing a chair nine feet across the girls' room. She says that she was a skeptic, but found Peggy Hodgson sincere and very frightened. And Peggy did live in the house until 2003 when she died. Oh, so wow. she yeah. stuck around. Yeah. I can understand why people would make these accusations. If oh, sure. You're you always... living in a council house and you want money, make well, up a paranormal story. Like in any haunting, I think people look for motivations of like why someone would right. do it. it the, the, the photographer from the Daily Mirror said that checkbook journalism didn't exist back then. So the family couldn't make money off their story anyway. So this is all to say that, like, what motivation would they have had to fake all this? Right. You know, it didn't really get them anything. No new house, no money, um, attention, I guess. But that said, the kids did fake some of the hauntings. Investigators caught them bending spoons. And Janet said they did it just 2% of the time because they wanted to see if anyone could tell. Which I thought was, I mean, that's an interesting yeah. thing to keep in mind. It's a very specific statistic there, Janet. <laughs> yeah, it is. 2%. <laughs> just 2% of the time. In 1979, the hauntings began to end. Janet says that a priest visited the house, and that sort of did the trick, which it seems like it usually does. Priests are good to visit haunted houses. Now and again, they would hear some noises, and one of the boys said it felt like they were being watched, but nothing again happened like it had happened before. 
So after Peggy dies, a new family moves into the house in 2004, and they do have some sort of like subtle haunting experiences. They're only there for two months, and the new owner says she felt just uncomfortable, unsettled. There was a presence in the house, and then then she finds out what the story was behind the whole Enfield haunting, and it all starts making sense. Okay. Oh, so she didn't know that ahead of time? No. Okay. Well, that's, that's pretty crucial. Yeah. Then her son says that he's been waking up every morning at 3 a.m. and hearing voices. And when he says that he sees a man in his room, they decide to move out. So Wow. That's maybe maybe that was Bill Bill Wilkins back yeah. visiting. I mean, kudos to that family. They, the kid's like, Mom, I saw something. They're like, all right. <laughs> She's like, we're out of here. Yeah. Nope, not dealing with that. Which is how I, that's how I'd be. I respect the hell out of that. Well, since then, another family's moved in and they have stayed quiet about any hauntings they may or may not have had in the house. And all this time, though, Janet Hodgson is stuck by the story of what happened. And she says, I don't care what they think. I know what happened and I know it was real. I always think it's interesting. And I thought this, too, about um, when we we talked about UFOs, like the aerial school, which is when a bunch of uh, school kids saw a UFO, allegedly, in Zimbabwe. Is that right? Yes. Yeah. Like when things happen when you're a kid or you think things are happening to you when you're a kid, that becomes very real in your mind. Right. You know, and she was 11. So, like, I could see as an adult her still, like, believing this very strongly because she, as a child, like, she believed it. Yeah, for but sure. I would say, I don't know. I think the fact that it happened in childhood is, like, mm, yeah. I don't know. I will say, too, it in a lot of these, like, possession haunting stories, like, look at, like, Annalise Mikkel. Mm-hmm. It is later revealed that this person suffered from a mental illness that wasn't understood at the time. Yeah. And they were basically like tortured as part of this exorcism. Right. And often either don't survive or, you know, later look back and go, no, I just needed help. So for Janet Hodgson to allegedly be experiencing like not full possession, but like something was going on, feeling like she was targeted by a spirit and then to later in life still look back and not have any other explanation, not have her later be like, actually, I just learned I was schizophrenic. And right. um, that was why I was doing all of this or experiencing all this. So, yeah, yeah, it's a good point. I was thinking kind of about how this case is different from like exorcism cases we've covered on the site. And yeah, it's definitely more of a haunted house. Thing, it's more of a. Know? Yeah. And like you said, sort of like a bit of possession as well, but it doesn't seem like it was demonic or any sort of like mental illness type story. Right. Yeah, which adds adds a layer of yeah. credibility to the story. There, I think most people would have heard this story for the first time, probably from The Conjuring 2. I can't remember when that movie came out. Probably like 2015, 2016. The Conjuring 2 was 2016. 2016. What a year. Um, yeah, so it came out in 2016 in terms of like how the movie and the real story like stack up side by side, yes, as in the movie, there was knocking. Yes, Janet did levitate. Yes, this paranormal activity allegedly started after they used a Ouija board. There were things you mentioned the nun that was not really a part right. of this story in real life. There were yeah, in there the was, movie. There was a nun and then there was like a tall man with a hat, oh. like a very gangly, like Slender Man type looking guy. That's not in the story at all. It's not in the story. In in the movie, I guess, like, crosses were flipping upside down. That didn't happen. Yeah. Lorraine Warren did not have to learn the name of the demon to expel it from the home. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's they were hardly how, involved, the, really. That, yeah. 
Yeah, they showed up, bragged about how much money they were going to make on it and left. I feel like this might be a good time if you want to to air your feelings Uh, about the Warrens. About how I think they're scam artists and terrible human beings. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, let me pull up my notes. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I mean, okay, the reason I think they're scam artists, and I think this is pretty well chronicled, we kind of got to it in this story, that they show up at these, the news had already been broken about the Enfield haunting. Mm Mm-hmm. They show up, they go, oh, yeah, that's haunted. And then they profit off of it because they write a book chronicling all of their demonological pursuits. Mm -hmm. And they do the same thing here. They do the same thing at the Amityville house, which was proven to be a scam on the case of the um, family who moved in after the murders. Mm -hmm. There's significant evidence to show that they made that up. So then for the Warrens to show up and be like, oh, no, there's a demon here. It's like, no, you're just lying. You're just making stuff up. But the real real reason (laughs) I hate the Warrens, and part of it is the Conjuring film franchise's fault because they focus so much on Ed and Lorraine Warren, not so much in the first movie. The first movie, they kind of just show up. They're like, the, the focus is on the family, but the second movie, and especially the third movie, really hone in on the Warrens and build them up to be these like modern heroes of being able to banish demons and and Lorraine has this connection to the spirit world and Ed is just her endlessly caring and supporting husband. And that misses a significant, it's actually just like a totally inaccurate portrayal of their relationship, allegedly. Hmm. In December 2017, the Hollywood Reporter released an article detailing the alleged relationship between Ed Warren and a woman named Judith Penny. Judith Penny claimed that she met Ed Warren when she was 15 and he was Mm. in his mid-30s. He had not yet become famous as a paranormal investigator. He was just a city bus driver in Connecticut. She happened to ride his bus to Central High School in Bridgeport. She said shortly after they met, they began an amorous relationship with Lorraine's knowledge and that she lived with the Warrens for four decades. Uh, Initially living across the hall from them in the bedroom, then they built her an upstairs apartment later on. Hmm. When this all came out, the Warren's attorney claimed that Penny was, quote, taken in by the Warren's when she was 18 and that because they traveled so much, she was there to watch over their house for them. The attorney also claimed that Penny had a long term boyfriend and Judith Penny often referred to Ed Warren as the love of her life. In 1963, she was arrested and then asked to sign a statement admitting to her affair with Ed Warren. She refused. And because the judge basically took that as her obstructing justice, she was court ordered to attend meetings at a delinquent youth office, which Ed Warren drove her to. Hmm. In May 1978, Judith Penny said that she became pregnant with Ed Warren's child and Lorraine was scared about the scandal ruining their public image. So Lorraine Warren, the Christian demonologist who fights demons, made Judith Penny get an abortion. Oh, gosh. And then Penny claimed that the Warrens instructed her to tell people that an intruder had broken into her apartment and raped her. Oh, my God. God, it just keeps worse and worse and worse. Yeah. She said that while she was living with the Warrens, she saw Ed often abuse Lorraine, including one time where he backhanded her so hard that she lost consciousness. Jeez. And then the real, like, nail on the coffin that I I think basically proves these allegations to be true. Mm -hmm. This is just my opinion. This is not the opinion of my employer. Um, (laughs) But when negotiating film rights for the Conjuring series, Lorraine Warren included restrictions that said the films could not show her Ed engaging in crimes, including sex with minors, child pornography, prostitution, 
or sexual assault, nor could either of them be depicted as participating in an extramarital relationship. Wow. Specific. Yeah. A talent attorney named Jill Smith said she had never seen specific language barring such depictions before. And then after the opening of the first Conjuring movie, producer Tony DeRosa Grun sent an email to top executives at Warner Brothers and New Line Cinemas saying that the film was a far cry from the advertised true story of the Warrens. In the email, this producer wrote, quote, Ed was a pedophile, a sexual predator, and a physically abusive husband. Wow. Lorraine enabled Ed to do this. She knowingly allowed this illegal, read, criminal relationship to continue for 40 years. They lied to the public, end quote. Yikes. I knew so, that you had some feelings. I didn't know you were going to come with like, I, yeah. Wow. I brought the receipts. Yeah, you did. <laughs> Damn, well, that's horrible. Yeah. So when I see these films like making multi-billions of dollars yearly at this point, yeah. they glorify Ed and Lorraine Warren, knowing that like the vast majority of the viewing public aren't really going to look into it that much. It makes me angry because they are just allegedly terrible people. Yeah, they're both dead now i think right? they are Maybe. both dead now okay yes. uh at the time when that story broke in 2017 lorraine warren was 90 years old and wow. refused to comment on it because she was in declining health ed warren died in 2006 wow. oh and judith penny said her relationship with him continued until about 2003 after which she moved on and married and to this day she doesn't really say anything other than calling him abusive yeah she still seems to hold pretty strong positive feelings for ed warren but does not like Lorraine Warren. Wow, that sounds like a very complicated. She met when when she was fifteen, and then they had this weird. Yeah. Ugh, gosh, all all bad yeah. stuff. Meanwhile, presenting themselves as these like ultra religious, right, do gooders, champions of God, effectively, and yeah, just milking other people's misfortune and misery for their own personal gain, which has now been glorified as Hollywood blockbuster films. So yeah, wow. <laughs> I think there should be a movie. Yeah, that'd be that'd be a pretty good movie too. I don't know, you know, where it's yeah. like, you know, they're fighting evil, but there's like While an doing evil, evil type thing. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Yikes! Wow. Well, that's interesting. I didn't know any of that. I knew that I knew that they were kind of like scam artists in terms of coming to these hauntings. Like in this case, especially where they came and they were there for a day, and he's like, "I'm gonna make a bunch of money from this," and then they left and do anything. Right. I didn't know about all that stuff with. That girl. Oof. Yeah, it's not good. It's really not, not good. good stuff. Well, I guess just to go back to the Enfield haunting itself, though, what do you think about that? Do you think that was like a real haunting or? Um, It's hard to say. There's not like... For as many witnesses as there were and as many like like photographs and statements, testimonies, there's weirdly like still not that much actual information about it. I mean, a lot of it's like coincidental stuff. I think people have tried to debunk the deep voice mm -hmm. Janet was doing, which she's an 11 year old girl. Like she's not going to make that deep of a voice on her own. That's not to say that like the audio recordings couldn't have been doctored in some way or manipulated i just like it's just like all of the witness testimonies are so like specific yet vague where it's mm -hmm. like oh i saw marbles flying across the room i saw this chair move the only like really detailed account was from that police officer who was like i saw this chair move up half an <laughs> three inch three feet yeah. and a half feet 
Yeah, right. But a lot of it is also just like very vague. Like things were flying off the walls and uh, mm -hmm. this desk wasn't moving when I pushed on it. And the fact that the kids admitted to like bending spoons and doing some things that are fake adds is a little sketchy. But like you said, I think there's not really a lot of motivation here for them to be faking this either. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, I think the audio stuff is weird and the witness stuff that so many people and like the police claim to have see, seen things is like strange and that gives me yeah. some uh, pause but i think maybe there was something real going on there i think it's a bit exaggerated is where i kind of land with it yeah i mean i think people like the first paranormal investigator maurice gross and the photojournalist graham morris it's their job to like say that these things are real yeah well especially yeah if you're working if you work for the mirror you're definitely trying to sensationalize stuff as much as you can yeah and then, then other people like the police and the bbc journalists you know they're testimony and the neighbor like i don't know what they had to gain from any of this right right uh i can see sort of like i don't know like if mass hysteria is exactly the right term but like this People just kind of bouncing off each other when someone's scared and then sure you kind of yeah. see things, shadows in the dark or whatever. And kind of psych yourself out a little bit. Yeah, right. Yeah. But I mean, there's weird stuff here. It's like, obviously, it's oh, definitely. a compelling story because there's like enough like, hmm. But the fact that they had a camera and they the only photo they got was that one photo and apparently all this other stuff was happening too. Right. I don't know. It seems a little you're bit You're telling odd. me you didn't get... And video cameras existed. Yeah. And we don't have any video footage of things flying around the house. Right. Yeah. It's like ghosts know when they're being recorded and they don't like it so they just go quiet yeah. or something. It's just all a little bit convenient. It's like we got, you know, just enough evidence for this to be credible, but mm -hmm. not it enough or you have enough evidence here to like cast reasonable doubt right but not enough to definitively say like look this is all happening yeah so i think th i think the family actually did have something going on whether it was paranormal or not and then yeah i think i i don't i don't necessarily trust the photographs from the guy from the mirror right. i don't think it would have been hard for him to be like hey jump off the bed i'm gonna take a photo like look scared mm-hmm yeah. And you I can talk know. kids into doing that kind of stuff really easily if you're a journalist. Or maybe she did it because she and her sister were part of this. I don't know. I mean, they're kids. Right. They said they were faking some things. Yeah. So maybe yeah. it'd be funny to put this photo out. Right. Yeah, there's enough like gray area here for it to be creepy. But yeah, I think it's one of the most convincing ghost stories oh of, yeah I, th I think so yeah just because it's one of, like i said it's one of those things where you can't look back and say oh they just didn't understand mental illness this is right. like, clearly not a haunting yeah or a possession or whatever it is like i said amityville is all but confirmed to be a hoax mm -hmm. and a scam this kind of reminds me i don't think this one has like a name like this one has the like Enfield haunting, but we, we covered it on the site and it was this woman and she moved into a house in indiana with her kids and the weird stuff started happening and they called like priests and they called doctors. And again, like the police saw things. And when they went to the hospital with one of the kids who was acting really strangely, they said they saw the kid, nurses said they saw the kid like walk on the ceiling. That's crazy. I think it's just called like the Demon House of Indiana. There's like no other name for yeah. that. But stuff like that, you're like, huh. When, when outside parties start to say that they see things too, and things yeah. like that, that are I mean, so... If, if you see a kid walking on the ceiling, that's yeah. paranormal as shit. That is insane. What's the interesting thing now, where, like everyone has an iPhone, so like you, yeah. you're going to film it if you see it, right? Interesting that that stuff has kind of dropped off in recent years. Right, exactly. Despite having better technology than ever before, we seem to get less evidence 
than ever before. I mean, you could argue that ghosts can, you know, block technology or I don't know. Sure, but if a kid's crawling on the ceiling, that's not just like, oh, I got a ghost on camera. That is a a physical human child on the ceiling. Right. I don't know when when that story happened year-wise or whatever. So it might have been... I want to say 2007, but it might have been 2017. But it was like recently. Okay, yeah, there's no excuse in that one. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, there's another one. There's another one I was reading about the other day because it happened close to where I am from, the Demon of Banksville Road. Hmm. It's a Pittsburgh-based story about a family, like, very typical stuff, like a family moved into a home. The previous tenants were kind of shady about like when they were selling the home. They were very like eager to just get rid of it. And then the dad, whose name I'm forgetting at the moment, was digging in his garden and found this like box of religious iconography Ugh. buried in God, the freak me out so much. And yeah, so he reached out to the previous owner's and he basically was just like, hey, what is this? And they were like, don't worry, the house is fine. Just put the box back where it, where oh, it was. Oh, God. And then like weird stuff started happening. Like it tore his family apart. His wife and two of his children started having all these psychological issues. Wow. And then it stopped when they brought a priest into the home. This was like 1998 to 2006 when this stuff happened. It is interesting so. to me that like priests are still trained to give exorcisms. And if you yeah. like are in trouble in that way and you reach out to the church, a church, a Catholic church, they might put you in contact with someone who knows how to do stuff. Yeah, it's kind of interesting. I think after Anais Mikhail, they updated their exorcism like guideline to be like, yeah. talk to a doctor first and then proceed. Yeah, with. don't torture the child. Yeah, <laughs> but it's sort of, I don't know. I sort of like liked that that paranormal like thing is still relatively commonplace. Well, just the, like, yeah, they're like, we're going to keep doing this. We're going to yeah. keep these people just in case. Keep them trained. Yeah. yeah. It's weird yeah, it and creepy, neat. but I'm kind of like kind of into it. Yeah. It's because yeah. we can't. The technology's not there yet to have like Ghostbusters. So we still have to rely on <laughs> priests. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, yeah, any story like this that has like a bunch of witnesses, I'm uh, I tend to I don't know. That's that's more intriguing to me than one person seeing a UFO, for example. Yeah. Oh, I'd love to have a UFO story that's like this credible. Yeah. I mean, I think. We discussed some of them that were like... I, we have. We have talked. Yeah. The Phoenix Lights, I think, is a pretty good one. Yeah. The Westall UFO, which we did not talk about, but I wrote about recently, mm-hmm. is also pretty crazy. Yeah. It's it's just like seeing aliens, I guess, that people... is. I mean, I guess, though, again, to go back to the aerial school, they said that they saw aliens. It just it happened to be like a bunch of kids. Right. And not grownups. Would you rather see an alien or a ghost? A ghost, I think. Ghost. Okay. Although, I don't know... I feel like if I saw an alien, that would mean more. It would mean that they're aliens. (laughs) Yeah. And a ghost would be like, oh, okay. Like, I already kind of believe in those. An alien would be like, oh, my God. Like, okay, there are other beings in the world. I guess because I I already believe in aliens. So I would say, like, it's all true. And then uh, you'd see me on, like, Channel 11 News just being like, no, no, it was was eight (laughs) feet tall. Just, like, way too excited about it and be like, I don't think we can employ him anymore. We'd write an article about you, about your sighting. Yeah, am I allowed? Would I be allowed to write the article about myself? I don't think so. But we could interview you, perhaps. That's funny. Uh, (laughs) Funny. Anyway, yeah, that's the Enfield Haunting. So it's a good one. Yeah, it definitely is. It's a really interesting story. I guess I won't watch The Conjuring 2, though, based on your uh, review and all the new information I have about yeah. the Warrens. Unless you want to watch Patrick Wilson sing Can't Help Fall in Love by Elvis Presley, because that's in that movie also for some reason. Next time, we're talking about 
Mothman. Mothman. I have uh, a friend of mine just went to Point Pleasant for her birthday and went oh. to the Mothman Museum and stuff. Did did your friend go there because of Mothman or was it just yeah. a coincidence? Oh, wow. Huh. Yeah, no, she's just like a big moth moth head. <laughs> cool. Yeah. Her and her partner, they went and yeah, went to the Mothman Museum and they in the Mothman Museum, they apparently have a like a whole case file about Project Blue Book, which is oh. I didn't know, but that's very cool. Isn't Project Blue Book about aliens? It is, yeah. Is Mothman related? I thought he was just a, like a crypt- he is just a cryptid. They just happen oh. to have the Project Blue Book files at the Mothman Museum. Hmm, that's cool. Yeah. Wow. Huh. We should do a, a team team field trip. Oh, that'd be fun. Yeah. Well, as always, you can check out more stories like this or this story itself on our site, allthinteresting.com. You can join our newsletter by going to allthinteresting.com slash sign up, or you can become a member by going to allthatsinteresting.com slash membership. All cool ways to learn weird and wild facts about the world. Yeah. If you've thoughts about this episode or other episodes, or if you want to share a haunting experience you had, I'd be kind of curious to hear what people have seen. You yeah. can leave us a voicemail. Yeah. Uh, at 929-526-3029. Or you can email us at podcast at allisinteresting.com. Love to hear from you. Yeah. Send us any paranormal evidence you have. If you have a photo of a ghost video yeah, yourself levitating ghost. yeah you yeah you levitating <laughs> um, and who knows maybe we'll feature it in an article or something at some point instead of an interview <laughs> right yeah if it has some seo volume perhaps we'll do that but uh <laughs> yeah. we can do we can yeah. interview somebody on the podcast for sure that's true yeah yeah if it's yeah a real a real haunting or just a really good hoax <laughs> or just a really good hoax. Something believable. If you want to check us out on social media, we are on Instagram now at History Uncovered Podcast. We are on TikTok. Yeah, we have a brand new Instagram. That's we exciting. We do. Yeah, we're hopping on the trend. Yeah, a couple years late. A couple years couple late. Years late. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, we did get ahead on TikTok. Well, kind of. Yeah. Where we are on TikTok at Real History Uncovered. All right, cool. Well, I guess we'll be back next week with Mothman, Moth which I know like Man. pretty nothing about. Like, yeah, I, I didn't even need to write an outline for that. I know everything already. <laughs> nice. So cool. I'm excited for it. Yeah. Yeah. Mothman will be good. And uh, yeah. Yeah. And then that'll be the last one for the month, right? Mothman. We are not doing History Happy Hour this month. Mothman is indeed. Wow. Yeah. Because Mothman will be on the November 1st. Yeah. Day after Halloween. Yeah. So. The day after Halloween, and then we're back to our regular scheduling. It'll be about people who fell out of planes. Yeah, and cool. also Roland Doe. And Roland Doe does the week kind after of that. fit the spooky vibes. So I don't even know who Roland Doe, what that is. Uh, the person who inspired The Exorcist. Oh, cool. Yeah. I have so, a friend who watched it for the first time last night, but oh, I haven't gotten their reaction yet. <laughs> jealous. I wish I could watch that movie for the first time again. <laughs> You know, when I watched it, I was so young. I should watch it again because I don't think I, I think I closed my eyes the entire time. That's, that's fair. It holds <laughs> up. It's a good movie. Maybe. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Uh, check out the site. Keep on downloading the podcast. More spooky stuff coming your way. Yeah. Send those five star ratings in. Oh, yeah. We love those five star ratings. Fuel my ego. <laughs> Let us know what you think uh, about Ed and Lorraine Warren. Yeah. Right. Let's pile on here. All right. Bye. Until next time. Stay spooky.
Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.